Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever felt like you've tried everything to heal from the pain of sexual abuse and yet nothing seems to really be helping? Well, one of the reasons why most people struggle to break free from the pain of past child abuse is because the techniques out there are positioned as a one-size-fits-all answer. What I want you to know is that there are actually three distinct phases on the path to recovery. And I'd love to share with you about these phases what issues you must resolve to move to the next phase, and what kinds of support you'll need in order to move forward as quickly and completely as possible. The road to recovery is much easier when you know what stage you're in and what to do next. So don't hesitate. Go to www.rachelgrantcoaching.com checklist and get your nine-page guide today. Now, on to our show. Welcome everyone to Beyond Surviving, the safe space for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to receive support, resources, and share their stories. Beyond Surviving is about freedom, healing, connection, and even laughter and fun. Most importantly, it's about letting go of the pain of abuse and finally moving on. I'm Rachel Grant, and for those of you who don't yet know me, I've been a sexual abuse recovery coach since 2007, and I'm the author of Beyond Surviving, the final stage of recovery from sexual abuse. You can learn more about me and the Beyond Surviving program at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Folks, today I'm so very excited to have here with me Jody Amen, who's going to be talking with us about how to transform the energetic imprint of abuse. So I know you're already like, what's that? What does that mean? What is an energetic imprint? How do I get rid of it? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so we're going to explore all of that. Jody is going to share her genius. Now, I have to tell you, I have been tracking Jody for quite a while. 
And um, it's really been beautiful to see her evolution and the things that she's up to. She's actually a psychotherapist. You can also find her on YouTube. And she is also an author of You One Anxiety Zero. And that is exactly how I found um, Jody when I was doing more work and research and learning about anxiety. Um, a client of mine actually put me on to Jody's work, and so she and I have been chit-chatting along the way, and I um, finally have the opportunity to have her here live to share all of her wisdom. She's been doing this work in helping people recover from trauma for 25 years, so she's one of those women who I look to when I think of people who are um, creating pathways for those of us who come along afterwards. And she works with people to really help them heal the effects of abuse, body, mind, and soul. So we are so blessed to have Jody here with us today, and I can't wait to get to it. Jody, welcome. Thank, Thank you so you. much for being here. Oh, I'm excited. We're gonna have a, we're gonna just go through a lot today and really help we a lot of people. Hopefully, are yes, that's right. We've got jam packed. So I encourage you all listening, get a little notepad because you're probably gonna write stuff down here. Um, so let's just start kind of generally. How did you come to this work? How did you find your way to this place of, yep, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is how I spend my day. Well, when I was, um, when I was young, I actually wanted to be an architect. I love oh. creating and designing and that kind of stuff. But I, you know, we always come to this work through our, our own crises. And I think mm. that's, that's a very common path to helping others, isn't it? So, yeah. you know, when I was younger and in high school, like I really struggled so much emotionally and I started volunteering, you know, volunteering in a lot of different places with older people, with younger people, with um, poor. And I network connecting with people. I was healed. I felt connected or a sense of belonging in a way that I never felt in my life. And so I switched gears and went into social work and never looked back. Like I, right. I just love what I do every <laughs> day. Your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just found my thing. And, and so, um, yeah, I love design and art too, but, but, mm -hmm. but this is, this is really my, um, my mission in life, I think. So. Oh, I love that. Well, an architect of lives now, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about how you specifically work um, with people who have a history of abuse. Well, uh, I studied with, uh, studied narrative therapy. So I don't know if you've heard of that narrative, yeah. which is the therapy. And it's uh, from, from Michael White and David Epstein in, in New Zealand and Australia. They um, developed a new way of working with people that was really collaborative. You know, really okay. working with, um, you know, sharing, helping someone rewrite the stories of their life. And so I did a lot of work around re trauma recovery. And that's where I, it, it's transformational, the work that they do with people. And it's so beautiful and kind and warm. And I think that background gave me, it gave me so much education, philosophy of the world, a lot of feminism, a lot of um, you know, marginalization, equality, and, and that kind of stuff. So I really understood power relationships and all that from that base. Um, and so, yeah, so I started using it in my practice for the last 20 years. And so it's, uh, it's really transformative. If I could tell you more, you could ask questions. Yeah. Give us like a, an example of, okay, so narrative therapy, what might I experience or do, or what might be a way that we distinguish that from something like cognitive behavioral or EMDR or just general psychotherapy? 
what are maybe some of the key tenets or philosophies? I know you named a little bit there, but maybe. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's based on the assumption that life is multi-storied. So we have a lot of stories that we tell of our life, you know, we have, and sometimes there's a dominant story in our life. So especially if we experience trauma, there is that story is pretty dominant. You know, we were a victim, we were hurt. Uh, Maybe then a lot of times there's negative identity conclusions that come with that. Like I'm worthless. I'm, you know, stupid or I allowed it or what all that stuff, you know, so clearly. Um, And, and so what we, but there is other stories, right? We all are multi-stories. We all have these other stories of like caring for other people or figuring stuff out or being a good problem solver or um, loving or connecting or loving children, whatever it is. There's all these other stories, but when there's this dominant story that's so powerful, it affects us so heavily. And so narrative therapy is really about getting at those other storylines that people have and breathing life into them. And so that they become more powerful and the dominant story gets a lot less airtime. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the difference between cognitive behavioral therapy is we're bringing out the skills that someone already has. Right. Yep. They're an expert on their life. I'm not the expert saying this is the skills you have to use. Yeah. And because they're connected to them. So we come out with the people have skills. They didn't get to the age they are now without having some skills. Right. Right. And so we could teach them skills, but then they feel like they're inadequate. Right. It just reinforces that story. Mm. And so if we bring out the skills that people already have. Nice. And we trace the social um, history of those skills. We're connecting them to other good people in their life, right? Yeah. Now they have this robust, most people that you and I work with feel so isolated, feel yeah. so alone, feel like so, so misunderstood. And so when you're in these storylines, breathing life into these stories and connecting them with good people from their past and present, it's like they're robust instead yeah. of the thin, like untethered. You know, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You know, that really brings to mind a conversation I was recently having in my monthly support group. We were exploring the topic of growing up and this sense that we in some ways get a little stunted sometimes emotionally, mentally, like we kind of get locked into this kind of child place. Mm-hmm. And a part of healing is coming into our adult self, right? And yeah. accessing, I have skills, I have tools. And sometimes I need to learn a little thing here or there to tweak that or to turn the dial up on that. But what was interesting in that conversation is a lot of the people sharing um, were in that place of like, well, my childhood was lost. My childhood was stolen. And I, at the end of that conversation, said, all right, I'm going to say something that's maybe not going to be most popular, but I really want you all to go back and look at your childhoods again. Because while it is true that there is trauma and there's a lot of not nice things that have happened, there are good moments in the midst of your childhood. There are other stories, right? There are mm-hmm. other experiences that you've had that right now, because trauma is like in the spotlight, you can't even really see or connect to. Exactly. But, it's yeah. a disconnection when trauma happens. We yeah. disconnect from, you know, the person that we were before. Yeah. yeah. What I do with people is I'm talking to them about these skills and these values that they have, and they always have started before the trauma. Mm-hmm. Even if the trauma is chronic and long-term, like yeah. despite the trauma, they held on to these values that they have. Mm-hmm. And that is so, because that's what happens is there's a disconnection with ourselves yeah. and realizing that you are the thread of the beauty of you yes. has been there and didn't die with us. 
on the thing. That's powerful. So, oh my God. It's, you know, <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, Jody, because that is really so important. I think a lot of, I know in my own journey, there was a place of like, well, who am I? And how am I going to become this person? And that feeling of like, I've got to create an entire self. And when I really started to get that, actually, I just needed to get these things out of my way because my actual self was still there. Like my values, my core, my strengths, all of that. And it was more a matter of removing the obstacles and the blocks that were preventing me from seeing that or expressing that. That was really a relief. Yes. And when we breathe life into those skills, you know, that we have more access to them. Yeah. Because when that dominant story is so huge, yes, we have skills because we're surviving, but we sometimes are in situations where we don't have access to those skills because we're feeling, we're, our inadequate story is so powerful. Mm-hmm. So when we have these conversations that bring those skills out, we breathe life into them, then when they're in another situation, they are right accessible, right? Yes. So the anxiety goes down, um, that feeling of inadequacy goes down, and performance goes way up, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they feel more empowered. Skills. They're totally more empowered. And it's not like I'm practicing skills that I was taught by an expert. <laughs> right. Because, right. you know, they're, it's because then you fail and then you feel them worse. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you own and integrate the skills that you have. Um, yeah. I love that. Talk with me a little bit about this phrase, energetic imprint. It can feel a little bit like, ooh, that sounds kind of scary. And like, I have woo-woo. to say now. <laughs> and and woo. Yeah. So like, tell me about it. On top of everything, I got something else. Well, I just use it as a phrase because, you know, these things happen in the past, right? And so right now, we can't change what happened, right? right? That it happened. But right now, the only thing that's still affecting us is like the imprint of it. This is a descriptor. It's not, you know, it's a, yeah. you think of it as a, I'm describing the imprint of it. So the consequences of trauma are from, you know, the consequences. So it's like, it's not like, even though I'm sometimes in flashbacks, it feels like it's happening again right now, but it's not, it's happened in the past, but now we have the consequences. So this is what we're living with. And this is what we are addressing is the, the yeah, it's the energetic imprint. Like, cause we can't change what happened though. Um, so then it's bringing up another idea too, is because when something happens to us, we question it so much because yeah. our mind wants order, you know, so mm-hmm. if something happens that's chaotic. Mm-hmm. And we have to figure it out and we have to understand it. It's very, very important to humans to have some kind of order. So we want to understand it. But these things don't make sense Mm-mm. that someone would hurt somebody. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So we keep questioning because we don't have that satisfied answer. So yeah. one of the things with people, and it's in the back of my book too, if you are interested, mm, yes. uh, if you, this book is really, because I work so much with people who've experienced trauma, most of the examples in the book are people who've experienced trauma. So, okay. um, so, you know, you have to decide, you have to like make meaning out of it so you can right. stop the questioning. So That's do you right. decide like it happened? Um, it wasn't okay. It wasn't my fault. And then you decide that it can't, doesn't have to define you anymore. Mm. It's a really powerful change because our mind will question for years. Yeah. What happened? Am I overreacting? Did I remember it right? I, you know, there's, mm. a, like it the definitely why happened. Question, the why questions are ongoing. Ever, yeah. Ever. And it's a huge distraction. First of all, there's a lot of suffering that happens yes. with that questioning. Yes. But also it's a huge distraction from healing. 
Agreed. Like finding and, and, and really like integrating that you that you want to be, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for naming that. And it is this, you know, I resonate very, very much with everything that you're saying there. And I think it really shows up in the work that I do with my clients as well, this process of, look, the questioning, the way that you are framing and thinking about the story almost that you're telling yourself about this experience is almost more the problem than the actual experience at this point. Exactly. So we've got to shift that narrative. We've got to shift that story. Exactly. And that's, that's what you could do. You can't change that it happened, but you could rewrite the story about it. Correct. So yeah. Jody, one of the things that I know that a lot of my clients are struggling with and those of us who've experienced trauma are the memories, right? The narratives that feel incomplete. Those trauma memories where we there are gaps, and we know because of the way that trauma impacts the brain, and if you've been listening to the Beyond Surviving podcast for a while, you've definitely heard me talk about this, um, that memory, trauma memories are not um, coherent sometimes, they're not chronological, there are gaps, there are missings, and that, that sense of like, I've got to remember every detail, I've got to remember it all before I can heal, can, is really one of those beliefs that, um, you know, we have to work with folks to overcome so they can move forward. When working with an incomplete narrative like that, how do you use this particular modality to help with that? Well, um, that's, again, the the person wanting to understand, right? They need that. They feel like they need that to create some kind of order Yes. their experience so that they could because they need they're like I have to understand it so it's a way to get in control of it mm-hmm. um, but we could heal those half and partial memories you know this is a skill that we have as humans to not remember some things that are so painful and so hurtful that we you know it's too hard to remember um, and sometimes you know that people don't have memories for a long time, like block the memories for a really long time and they might come up later in their life. Um, But it's a skill that people have to try to survive these horrible circumstances. And so when they think of them as a skill, because they think that there's something wrong with them and inadequate because they don't remember, but it's like, who wants to remember that stuff? And with narrative therapy, you can heal even if you don't remember everything. And in fact, sometimes forcing yourself to remember stuff and conjuring that stuff up is actually re-traumatizing. Bad news. Bad, bad news. Let's repeat that, Jody. Yeah. It's, it's not something that is <laughs> oh helpful. Oh, my gosh. Right. You try to make yourself right. remember and try to conjure up stuff. You know, we think like we're only as sick as our secrets, and we think that we have to get it mm-hmm. out. And sometimes we do, but we have to prepare ourselves to be able to talk about trauma. Mm-hmm. And sometimes people talk about trauma, and I'm sorry, there's people like me who encourage this because they don't know better you know, therapists to say, you know, get it out, talk about it. And it can be very re-traumatizing. A person has to be prepared That's before right. they do that. And healing can happen even if they don't go really deep into their trauma. Oh, yes. And what I do is I, it's like a multi-storied listening. So I'm listening to some, sometimes they're just referring to some things around the trauma, but I'm always listening to other storylines because they have this half memory, what I call half memory. They, they remember the victim part, what happened. Even if they have a memory of the trauma, they remember just what happened to them, that victim part. And that always leaves them feeling completely powerless, helpless, worthless. Um, you know, and life is really scary when you have those identities, 
right? When you're powerless yeah. and worthless and out of control. Yeah. And so that's all you remember from the trauma. That's the consequences. That's the energetic imprint you're taking, worthless, powerless, out of control. And so what I do is I'm asking, well, what did you do? So they, they are, only if they're able to speak about the trauma, I'm asking about their responses the trauma mm -hmm. like how did they keep themselves safe when did they mm -hmm. stop it when did they tell when did they um whatever they did they helped a younger brother or sister that happens all the time right you're yeah. protecting somebody else all these things that kids do amazing things to survive or make it um a little bit better work hard in school whatever to get out of there anything that they're doing um is yeah. their response that's not in part of the trauma memory, but we make it part of the trauma memory. And then we talk about what those skills are and what they means that they value. So they had some value in themselves. They had some value in their siblings. They had some value in somebody noticing that they're okay. So they went to the neighbor's house, whatever it was. Um, people do some powerful stuff that just is so incredibly moving, but it's yeah. Forgotten. It's not really forgotten, but it's forgotten. It's, it's not that thing that re has re been replaying in their mind for 20 years mm -hmm. since the trauma. Mm -hmm. And when you bring that up, it gives them a whole memory of the trauma. And this is the part of the story where they have power, that they are in control, that they're taking back. You know, when every oppression in the whole world, there's some kind of protest. And so I want to know what their protest was. Oh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Man, I hope y'all are listening to this lady. Do not miss. That was like freedom, healing, power, everything in a like two second um, collapsed, abbreviated explanation <laughs> of this. I get it because there are so many layers. But this is super, super important what we're talking about here because narrative I, I love this idea of thinking almost about the narrative from the different angles of the experience so you can view the experience through the lens of what was being done to me you can also view the experience through the lens of what was i doing to take care of myself mm -hmm. what was i doing to protest what was i doing to react to respond and i loved the various um examples that you gave because it's not just that in the moment did you, you know, fight back or did you this or did you that? It's the everything that came after that, right? Yeah. Did you, you know, in some ways those adaptive skills that eventually we want to maybe let go of so we can have healthier lives, but whatever you did to create safety for yourself, the example of like working really hard in school so I can get the hell out of here, that's an amazing, you know, frame and perspective for people to consider. So for those of you who are listening, I really want to encourage you to take this on. You know, if you have this experience in this place that you go to and the way that you keep thinking about it is all the things that were done to me, try to turn the lens, try to shift the frame and come at it and get curious about who you were in that experience, the kinds of choices that you made. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's really, it's unbelievable miracle that you survived. Unbelievable yeah. miracle. You had yeah. to do something. That's yeah. not luck. You did something. To, to make yourself survive, what were those things? I get so curious because it's absolutely inspiring. You know, yeah. you know if, if you work with trauma for a really long time, people think, how do you do that? You know, how do you listen to that all day long? Oh my, I am so moved yes. by people's resilience and people's love for each other and, and what people do in the face of such awfulness that um, it makes me a better person. 
Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I can identify with that. So my um my survivor brain goes to the what if questions that might be coming up for our listeners. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things that we know about those who experience trauma is they're very quick to go into comparison or they can be very quick to go into shame. And so as you're sharing this kind of model of um, completing a memory by looking at the narrative from the perspective of what you did, a little trap that I'm curious if you've noticed people fall into is the, yeah, but I didn't. You know, like there's this push and pull between, well, yeah, I did like work really hard in school, but I did never tell anyone, you know, oh, but I did, you know, and that tendency to go and compare into and find the places of what they think they should have done that they didn't do. I wonder if you could just speak to that a little bit. If people are finding that coming up for them, what would you recommend? Yeah, mostly, you know, mostly I'm working with the person, so I'm right there, and so I know how to find it, you know, because I've been doing it for 20 years, and I had to very quickly ask a question, and like within a few minutes, find this unbelievable protest, and they're surprised too, you know, because it comes out, and it's there and there, they remember, so if you're having trouble, I just still work with people, I just want to put that out there, I still work with people from all over the world on videos, if you're like, I need some help with this, Mm -hmm. call me. Um, but I think that, you, you know, there's such a variety of what people do. And unfortunately, you've mentioned this like slightly, but unfortunately, some skills that they, just unbelievable skills that they use to survive later on in life, they think of them as maladaptive, yeah. you know, because they were um, trying to go under the radar. Like say that was a skill that you used to try to not get the attention of the abuser. You try to stay under the radar. And so later on in life, that's not maybe so helpful in some situations because you're passing up opportunities if you try to go get them. Um, And so all we remember is all we think about is the negative part of that. But we really want to honor if we don't, if we have a skill that was great and helped us survive in the past and later on in life, it's not helpful. We really want to like honor it and thank it so much for the service. And then, then it's much easier to let go. If you're beating yourself up and judging yourself about it, it attaches you and it's hard to let go. It's Mm -hmm. like the Marie Congo. She, she, um, she's like, (laughs) say goodbye to your clothes. And you go, thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that is, if that memory is not making you ping, let it go. (laughs) Yeah. It's like you have the skill, but like, think the skill, like it's amazing. And that's a much powerful empowerment because when you think of the skill, that's like, maladaptive you it just adds to the negative identity that you have yeah. of yourself yeah but when you think of it as like so powerfully it helps you survive but yeah. now you don't need it anymore so it could retire it's yeah. a it's a different way it's just a reframing of of that 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 helps people but there's such a variety and you have to understand if you're listening you're like i don't do didn't do anything if you are whatever age you are if you're 20 if you're 30 if you're 40 if you're 50 you survived yeah. awful things, something. lots of things, lots of difficulties. And so there's no way you didn't do anything. You wouldn't yeah. be here. And so um, you have amazing, amazing skills. They are in there. Mm. And in every oppression, every oppression around the world, anywhere, there's always protests, always. Yeah. Always. Yeah. When, I, when I work with people who've experienced domestic violence, um, you know, they, 
that would be very dangerous to protest, but they figured out some ways to do it that wasn't as dangerous or whatever, you know, because you have to, you know, we are just, we're we're humans who have agency and we want to exercise that. The drive is so powerful for us. Mm, So when we're oppressed, we just are like pushed somewhere. We find the way to get that agency out. And, um, and that's how we could survive or else we really just shrivel up and die, you know? Yes. Yeah. What I would add to what you've just shared there is the tendency to to highlight the what I didn't do. So the phrasing is often like, well, I did, you know, make it through school and work really hard in school, but I never, I didn't tell anyone. Just by reversing those, you reverse the experience and frame of the, of the moment, of the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell anyone and I worked really hard to get through school and get out of there. And that, and just in that little flip, you, you put the emphasis on your action and you start, you shift out of that shaming, blaming, making yourself bad and wrong. So yeah. If they're in your group or maybe they're just listening. They still actually haven't told anybody yet, but people wait years. And my question is always, you know, people wait 30 years, 40 years, 10 years, five years, one year. There's all different, no matter what that time frame is, it's like, how did you tell people so fast? Mm, like, mm. how did, because you're up against so much mm, to mm. let that out, to, yeah. to trust enough to share that with another human being. That's right. Uh, and there, are, I think we so missed hard. All the of the things that it is all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That are against it. So the fact that you did yes. it all at any time, even if it's 30, 40 years later. Right. How did you do it so fast? Yeah, I love that, Jody. <laughs> Mm, so a really great way for all of you to begin thinking about your trauma experiences. Try to start shifting that, you know, place that you're looking from and just notice what happens and then let us know, you know, comment on the podcast or comment on the YouTube channel. And um, one thing I want to make sure that we get to before we're done for the day is thinking about healing, you know, this conversation that we're starting to have more and more, you know, in this arena is the mind-body, you know, combination. And now we're starting to have the mind-body, soul-spirit, you know, that piece of the puzzle is now starting to be uh, something that people are talking a, a bit more. So when you talk about healing the soul, what does that mean to you? What does that really represent? Well, this is still like in relative reality, but there's a lot of um, theories that believe that um, when when we're experiencing a trauma, part of our soul goes off, right? So we lose part of our soul because it's the way it protects itself from experiencing that trauma. And so a lot of, um, and I think this comes from a lot of indigenous um, practice, like medicine practices. Okay. And so that's where I've learned it from. But the um, so if that part of the soul leaves, then then you could do a soul retrieval and get part of the soul back. So you could look that up if you wanted to soul retrieval. That's the term. But then you you could get that part of your soul back. But the idea is that when you're missing part of your soul or parts of your soul, then you f- don't feel whole. And there's the element of that that's keeping you from you know embracing your healing 100%. And so, but this is still kind of a metaphor. This is not like literal. Okay. Because, you know, it depends, it depends on what your spirituality is. Your soul is absolutely healed and whole and, you know, and perfect. And, you know, we go through this story stuff in our life, in our relative reality, right? So there's, 
my spiritual reality is like an absolute reality. Like we're all one. That's what I believe, but, but you don't have to. And then, um, but then we're all these separate beings kind of having these experiences, you know, trying to learn and figure out and, you know, evolve spiritually. And so, so this is still part of relative reality in my mind, that part of our soul gets lost. But I do these soul retrievals with people that experience trauma and we don't re-traumatize them, but we kind of, sometimes there's like that niggling memory. You probably worked with people that mm-hmm. have this one memory that they just can't you know, they just keep going over and over to this or they're having flashbacks or dreams about, or it's like niggling and they can't, they're trying to figure it out, whatever. So we go into um, like a guided meditation and we see it on a screen and before the trauma happens, so we don't relive it. But before the trauma happens, um, we, um, we take the older person, takes the younger person like out of the scenario before the trauma, like that part of their soul. And we take it out and we do a lot of counseling in the guided meditation. Still, we do a lot of in the sacred place. We do a lot of counseling with that part of your soul and integrate it back into your body. I go and take care of the abuser. We try to shut down. It clamps down the energetic imprint of the, at least that. And sometimes, sometimes there's those niggling memories and it's a common thing. Like say it's like something happened in a bathtub. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes you could do one memory, but it heals a lot of the other of the similar kind, you know? Yeah. Sometimes it's just that memory. It depends on the person. And so they have huge differences. Like I know people who um, have a pain and that pain goes away, you know, pain that they've always had forever, or they've had, um, you know, they couldn't eat um, tomatoes, cooked tomatoes because they were having that that night that this Mm -hmm. happened, you know, that kind of thing. Those clear those consequences of the trauma it's clear because we've cleared the energetic imprint. We've taken that part of the soul before the trauma happened out of it. So excited. Yeah. And so you take that person out and it, it's, it's not re-traumatizing. Of course that yeah. person's upset and you know, that little soul part of your younger soul needs to know what that you're, older and safe now and everything's okay and you know that kind of stuff and um and then you know you integrate them into your body that specific work oh i'm sorry jody yeah that's fine if people are interested in that specific work doing that soul retrieval work with you is that something that you do um you know individually like you will just do that work with them or is that a part of a, a whole yeah Yes, I could do that, but I probably, I like to meet people first. Like I wouldn't do that the first session. I want to get to right. the story a little bit. And okay. Issue. But, but yeah, so people have heard me talk about that on some podcasts and then just called to work with me around that. And maybe we okay. just meet like three times, but, um, and they do that with, so they have another counselor or mm-hmm. something that they're working with. So they want it, but they just do want this to as a little adjunct yeah. to with yeah. the work that they're doing. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm putting it on my books as, okay, when I have clients who are stuck on this thing, Jody. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it's great. Because, you know, what I've really, I've been doing this for 12 years. So, you know, I'm about a decade and so behind you. But um, what I'm starting to notice is that, um, you know, I think the way that I work really 
um, clicks with people and obviously has an effect. And sometimes there are certain pieces of the puzzle of healing that we just have to come at it from a different direction. Yeah. And that's why I love having such a powerful community of healers um, that I get to introduce via the podcast and YouTube and also just have in my network. Um, because there might be that one thing that, okay, I've tried all my tricks, right? <laughs> all of my approaches for dealing with that. Still stuck? All right, let's bring in Jody and see what she might be able to do around that. So the bigger picture of why I'm even saying that for those of you who are listening is to understand that if you're working on something in your healing journey and you're making really great progress and you feel like it's shifting in the way that you're working with it, it's, you know, happening, great, keep going. But if you hit a roadblock, don't surrender to this idea of like, oh, well, this is, I'm just uh, too broken for that. You're like, I can't figure that part out. I'm stuck. It might be, you just need a different Absolutely. Come at it from a different angle. So many different ways to heal. Yeah. It's never, you know, there's never no hope because there's so many different things you could do. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And after 25 years, I just learned all the different things that possibly (laughs) every person that comes in my office is totally different, right? They need something different. And so, you know, they sit there and I kind of, okay, what I'm listening, I'm curious. And then it's like, clear like okay this one goes right this one needs to go left this one needs to do this this one Mm you know yeah my gosh so when you think of um the thing that you most love to say or want to communicate to people who are in this journey of healing from trauma any particular words come to mind yeah i I love to tell people like we're not going to leave you like this yeah we're just we're not going to leave you like this like this mm-hmm. is this is not you know it's it's not a way to live you know it that's why you're here and and you um and there's a lot of things that we can do so we're gonna try the easiest ones first and then we'll I have thousands so we'll just try the easiest ones and then we'll try something else and we'll try something else and you know they won't be hard but yeah I don't like to make people worse before they're better that's what I'm about right yeah. <laughs> Oh man, that could be a whole other podcast, right? (laughs) People don't healing helpers who actually are re-traumatizing their clients. Yeah, that's bad news. Well, with good intentions, but yeah, yeah, it's just, but it is a very real thing that happens, Um, you know. And because people sit down and they're asked to, well, tell me your entire history of trauma in like session number one, and we don't have any self-regulation tools, we don't have any right outside the window of you know, tolerance and they're like, right. they, now, they go home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then they're just left that. in that space, which is just such a bummer. So something that you and I are actively working against all of the time and being mindful of because it is, it really is, I think one of the things that pisses me off the most um, about this particular, you know, kind of process is when I hear stories of people who have actually ended up more traumatized. Um, and so Oh my gosh, I feel like I really could talk for another three hours with you, Jody. So we'll definitely have to have you on again and continue to explore. But I've just so appreciated everything that you've um, shared with us today and for being my guest. And I want to really encourage all of you who are listening to go to her website, Jody Amon, J O D I. A-M-A-N.com. That will also be in the show notes. So you can easily click and go um, check out all of her resources and her blog. Pick up her book too. That's available on Amazon. Um, you One Anxiety Zero. It's a really, really great resource. I highly, highly, highly recommend it.
And also, Jody, you have this Let It Go MP3. Can you tell us a little bit about what people can expect when they go pick that up? Yeah, so if you follow my blog, I give a free audio, and it's a how to let something go, because we, you know, everyone tells us to let go, but we really don't understand the steps, like the practical yeah. steps. And so it's a, it's a half hour audio with me just explaining the, the actual process to letting go, the three steps. And they're practical, they're easy, but it's like, aha, finally. <laughs> you know, because you beat yourself up so much when yeah. everyone's saying let go of this and you're like, can't, you don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this is why. We were told to let go and now how. Yeah. So this, is, um, this is my gift to you. Wow, thank you so much for that. I know people are going to gobble that up because it's such a big question that comes up all of the time. So go to jodyamon.com slash let go, and that also will be in the show notes for everybody. So Jody, thank you again You're so much welcome. for being here. And thank you everybody for listening and for joining us today. I want to encourage you to visit rachelgrantcoaching.com as well. Go check out the resources and all that's available there on the site and please subscribe to our podcast leave us a note all of the stuff that you do the click the likes the whatevers and um, then come back next time because we have so much more to share and until then take really good care of you Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.